I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to BoxingForFree.com's podcast. I'll admit, I wasn't paying that much attention to uh, last week's light heavyweight title fight between champion Chad Dawson and uh, challenger Adonis Stevenson. Which is pretty bad, considering that Stevenson, like myself, is Canadian, and I've mentioned numerous times that they should hold lots of big fights in Montreal. Perhaps I didn't factor in the one-sided beatdown that Dawson suffered playing a factor in this fight. Maybe I was just too focused on caring about the Arislandilera Alfredo Angulo fight on Showtime, but we'll get to that later. Maybe I was like Chad Dawson, and I just saw this fight as a stepping stone for him, as you'll hear in this clip. It's a stepping stone for me, you know, just a fight created just to make me look good. I don't believe that I'm, I'm the best light heavyweight in the world, which I am. Uh, Donald Stevenson is no Glenn Johnson, he's no Antonio Tarvey, he's no Bernard Hopkins, he's no Thomas Adamak. You know, I, I've beaten great fighters, and uh, I just don't see it. Uh, I've, watched, I've watched one fight of his, one fight. I'm a big 175 pounder, big. My physique is outstanding and it's crazy, but trust me, he'll look very tiny night of the fight, very tiny. Yes, Chad, you are a big 175 pound fighter. However, one thing you aren't is a big puncher at 175 pounds, which is something that Adonis Stevenson is. And uh, just for the record, the last time Dawson knocked anyone out was all the way back in 2007. And Adonis Stevenson showed just how big a puncher he was by knocking Dawson out with one punch. With with uh, it was just a minute into their fight. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see Dawson fighting in Montreal again. But if he does, I have a feeling it's not going to be against any Haitian-born Quebecois because he really seems to do badly against them. Now, what struck me as confusing, actually, when I watched the fight, was Dawson's movement. If you watch that fight, he was moving to his right, right into Stevenson's left hand. These guys are both southpaws, and I'll be honest, my boxing experience is limited to workouts in the gym and, you know, some sparring from years ago, but I remember Mary Spencer telling me when I sparred a southpaw who had rocked me early in the first round, she told me, just move to your left, out of the way of his jab, and you won't be going anywhere near his left hand, which is his power hand, and that way I could throw jabs and left hooks to his head and to the body all I wanted to, I just had to keep up on the footwork and... Chad could obviously, well, I want to say could do it in terms of, in terms of his ability. I just don't know why he didn't. You know, I was actually doing some research on Stevenson and found out that in 1998, he was arrested and served 48 months for pimping. I gotta be honest with you. On one hand... That's very comical. It's like you're you're under arrest for being a pimp. I mean, considering how that's a term of endearment these days, like, hey, you know, you look like a pimp. You know, you're looking good. But no, I, you know, it's like you're going to jail for being a pimp. On the other hand, it's it's quite the harsh sentence considering that in Canada you can be a drunk driver kill somebody, uh, 
And the most you'll probably get is three years. And, you know, they'll cut time off for good behavior and all that. It might explain why he turned uh, pro so late in his life. He's 36, and uh, he didn't turn pro until, uh, I believe it's uh, 2006, it says here. So it's possible that he learned to box while in prison. Here's what I want to know, though. And I would have to ask... Um, I would have to ask some of his former employees, but um, I even if this ever happened, what does a pimp smack feel like from someone who hits as hard as Adonis Stevenson? Uh, now, what's next for him? Uh, I think that a showdown with Bernard Hopkins is the most logical uh, thing, considering that Hopkins' fight against Karo Murat uh, has been cancelled due to uh, visa issues. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened, and considering he's fought in Montreal twice before, I don't think that Bernard would have any problem going on the road to make history once again. So, uh, look for that fight to happen, possibly possibly to be made in October, perhaps. Uh, on the undercard of that HBO uh, broadcast, Yuri Okus Gamboa defeated Darlis Perez, winning a 12-round decision in what I heard was a very boring fight, which is why I am glad I did not see it. Um, on Showtime, that same night, however, in the main event at the Home Depot Center in Carson, California, Marcos Maidana stopped Josito Lopez in the sixth round in what I thought was a very good fight. I was um, more or less expecting probably another one-sided beatdown that we saw Lopez get when he fought... Uh, Canelo Alvarez last year, but I think I forgot that Maidana is not a 154-pound fighter, and this fight was taking place at 147 pounds. Lopez Lopez did better than I thought he was going to. I was siding with Maidana just because I think he's a better puncher, but it, it was a very good scrap between the two of them. But uh, the fight on that broadcast, I really want to I really want to pay attention to was on the undercard where Arislan Dilara stopped Alfredo Angulo in the 10th round in what I think was the best uh, fight of the night. Those of you who are regular listeners of this podcast, those who read the blog, follow me on Twitter and like us on Facebook, you know that I've been hyping this guy for the past year. I've been saying that he should be getting a shot at Canelo Alvarez. I've been getting excited about his upcoming fights. I even had a Twitter follower kind of ask me, you know, again, you're hyping Arislandi Lara? Well, if you saw the fight, then you, you saw why I like this guy and why I've been saying what I have been saying about him. He was never down as a professional or as an amateur... And he had a few hundred amateur fights, but like I said, never been down as an amateur nor as a professional, but uh, in this fight, he had to get up off the canvas twice after taking some big left hook shots from Alfredo Angulo, who uh, did much better than I expected, to be honest. I thought that uh, Lara was um, outboxing Angulo in some points, but... Uh, just when it seemed like 
he was starting to get uh, a clear lead on the scorecards. Bam! There goes Angulo's left hook. Down goes Lara to tighten up the scorecards. And uh, as well as the knockdown, Angulo was landing some really amazing body shots. And I don't know how Lara was able to withstand them because they looked like they really hurt. And both times that he went down and got back up, there was still quite a lot of time left on the on the clock for uh, Angulo to try to finish him off. But in the 10th round, the fight came to an abrupt end when Lara landed a combination and Angulo immediately turned away and uh, was moving towards his corner and the referee immediately waved the fight off. Um, if you watch the Showtime broadcast, you can hear Virgil Hunter, who is uh, Angulo's trainer for the past three fights, you can hear him saying that, pardon me, that uh, Lara had uh, thumbed Angulo, which caused the injury. The rumor originally was that Angulo had uh, shattered his orbital bone. But in reality, it was just a hematoma, uh, similar to what Hasim Rotman got when he fought Evander Holyfield, although uh, Angulo's wasn't as grotesque as uh, Rotman was. But even so, this was one of the uh, nastiest uh, hematomas I've seen in recent years. But I've also heard other people, other people, and by that I mean people on the internet, claiming that it was a thumb po uh, a thumb poke and I went back I looked at it it was not a thumb it was just a clean punch that landed perfectly and it did something unexpected besides if all eye pokes made people swell up like Alfredo Angulo did you know freaking Curly Howard would look like the elephant man hey What's the idea of spoiling the game? I was for onesies. Well, here's twosies. Oh, oh, he was for onesies? You get him to... Here's fivesies. On an unrelated note, I can play that clip as much as I like and get away with it. It's in the public domain. Anyway, uh, there were more boos than cheers uh, when the fight ended and when Lara was announced the winner, but I honestly believe that it was mostly due to the fact that it ended so suddenly and with not that great a conclusion and also because it was a, uh, a mostly pro-Angulo crowd. There is talk of a rematch, but apparently Arislandi Lara isn't going to grant Angulo a rematch in a statement he made to BoxingScene.com, which I'll read for you now. Quote, I do not think Alfredo Angulo deserves my respect, and even more so, he does not deserve a rematch. He requested that my gloves and wraps be inspected after the fight, and making statements that I hurt him with my thumb is absurd, and I consider that disrespectful. We are now looking at other targets, and our plans don't have Alfredo Angulo's name attached to them. We think Miguel Cotto and Austin Trout are the battles that the boxing fans want to see. There, we can draw conclusions about what was said by Schaefer, and if those fights are done, we will know if I can sell or not sell, as stated a person who should not be working to make these fights and not giving bad statements about one of his fighters. It's my duty to establish that we don't have any fear to fight El Perro Angulo again. It's not that. But the attitude of El Perro honestly freaked us out. 
I think fighters deserve respect, and I think what was done by Angulo should be considered a lack of respect for me and for boxing. What would people think, or how would they look at Arislandi Lara if I attacked his decision to not continue fighting? So that rematch is not in our plans, and if he was in our plans, Angulo's attitude is responsible for his elimination. Unquote. I wouldn't mind seeing another match between the two of them myself, but look for Lara to really try and get a fight with Miguel Cotto or another big name in the 154-pound division. Moving on. There, there are rumors going around that Andre Ward is looking to break ties with his promoter, Dan Goosen. I had heard talks of this on Twitter, but it wasn't until the uh, story broke on Boxing Scene that I decided to report on it. Um, there's no real reason in the article why there might be a dispute between the two of them, but according to the article, again, these are rumors, I would like to emphasize that, but the rumor is that Ward and his team are at odds with Goosen. Unfortunately, they don't say about what. So, that leaves us to try and figure out to figure out what this is all about, fill in the blanks. It's not like Goosen is uh, keeping Ward out of the ring. It's because Andre keeps getting injured, which results in fights being postponed or canceled. It happened with Alan Green, Carl Froch, and it happened recently with Kelly Pavlik. It's no real fault of Goosen, so unless they think that you know, Andre's not gaining enough money, or that he's not uh, as big a star as he could be, who knows, if, if there were, if it's, it has to do with star power, well, that might have to do with the fact that Andre Ward has said numerous times that he did not become a professional boxer to become a superstar. I remember him saying that several times in the Super 6 and after that, so... Uh, hopefully as time goes on, we will figure out what this is all about. And finally, I'd like to end this broadcast by bringing back something I haven't done in a while. It's a brand new edition of Good Boxer, Dumb Human Being. Last time, we looked at Brandon Rios and his uh, Twitter tirade against Al Bernstein. But today's lucky contestant is none other than the Mandingo warrior James Kirkland. Now, most of you would probably say that Kirkland's last fight was back in 2012 against Carlos Molina, but I'll have you know, you're mistaken. James Kirkland did have a fight this weekend, except it was with a family member, and it ended up with him being arrested, jailed, and, uh getting bailed out for $5,000. I have no idea what the hell the details are of this, but Kirkland, someone with a rap sheet, he's been out of jail, been in and out of jail a few times, and he's lost a few prime years of his career because of his bad decisions. And I wouldn't be surprised if this melee cost him a few more months or possibly years of inactivity that neither he nor his bank account can really afford at the moment. I, I, I just can't believe how much potential he squandered because 
a lot of us expected him to be a world champion at this point of his career. Now that's even looking, you know, less likely to happen. James, do you have any explanation for this? I'm a victim of circumstance! Well, James, you're many things, good boxer, but also a dumb human being. And that's all we have for this episode. Be sure to go to BoxingForFree.com, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, do all those social network things that help get our podcast blogs and messages out there. I'm Major Schweitzer, thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.